Hey there, and welcome to the Life of a Cheerleading Coach. I'm your host, Marley Sievers. With four years of high school coaching experience, six years of experience as an instructor and choreographer for the National Cheerleaders Association, and over a decade in the cheerleading industry, join me as we navigate through the world of high school coaching together. Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of the Life of a Cheerleading Coach. This week, I'm going to be having on my very first guest onto the podcast. This woman is someone who is very close to me, someone who has experience in coaching, cheerleading, and as a parent to a cheerleader. It's my mom. Her name is Erica, and we sat and chatted about some of her experiences as a cheer mom as well as some of her experiences as a coach. We talked about life and how to overcome a lot of obstacles in team sports. So go ahead and have a listen. And if any of this information resonates with you, go ahead and share it with your other coaches, parents, even your friends and family members. All right, welcome to my podcast. This is my wonderful mom and former cheer coach, Erica Sievers. Um, I'll have her kind of talk about her experience with coaching and cheer, and then we'll go ahead and get started with some interview questions. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi. Well, hello, Marley, and thank you so much for having me as a guest on your podcast. Um, Super excited about that. But my experience with cheerleading, you know, not much. I did a couple years in high school. I really enjoyed it. I did a couple years of dance, and I really enjoyed that as well. But when I became a a working mom, a professional, and I I ended up working at a kindergarten through 12th grade uh, charter school in um, the Denver area, I I wanted to get involved with something within the school. So I volunteered to be the cheer coach for a couple of years. And so I coached a couple years of high school cheer there, which was super fun. Um, I had such a great time when I moved on to my next position at another school, kindergarten through eighth grade charter school. I asked if I could start a cheer team there and uh, ran that successfully for 13 years. Super, super fun. Really enjoyed working with the middle school uh, kiddos. A um, lot of lot of challenges there, but had such a great time with them. And then I became, when my daughter became a high school cheerleader, I became a cheer mom and I focused a lot of my energy there and volunteering and supporting her high school cheer team. And now I'm just your mom. And I just love to watch your, you know, your coaching adventures and coming along and cheering on your, um, your high school team. And yeah, so that's my cheer life. The first question I want to ask you is what was the hardest thing about coaching your child? Oh my goodness. Well, I didn't like that at all. Um, to be honest with you now, reflecting back, it was it was imp- practically impossible. Um, not so much that you were a difficult athlete to coach in that the perception of others around us just became like very negative. So there's always this un- unwritten, unspoken, like taboo thing about coaching your own athlete or even teaching your own child or whatever it is that you're going to have some sort of bias or favoritism. Um, And, you know, there's, there's a natural bias because you're my child, but I worked above and beyond to make sure that there was not any favoritism um, that I could 
that I could physically, outwardly, objectively think that that it was happening. In fact, I felt I was a little harder on you than most because because of that bias or or whatever it is per- perception of others. But but I soon found out that that didn't matter what I did. It didn't matter, you know, how hard it was on you. It didn't matter how objective I tried to be. It was always still a perception that you just can't get over. So in looking back, it was, it was not a good idea, but it was so important to me to be, you know, close to you and part of your life at that time, because middle school is so difficult that, you know, I just did it and, you know, we gutted it out, but it didn't mean that People didn't believe that we had some sort of, you know, favoritism happening. But yeah, that was the hardest part was just to be able to try to explain to other people that there wasn't favoritism, didn't matter. It was whether it was perceived or real, it didn't matter. Looking back, it was a bad idea. And objectively, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it again. I would, I would have probably stepped down for those couple of years and just said, how can I support the program without coaching my own child? Because I think that that is probably the best thing to do, you know, objectively. That was the hardest. It probably wasn't easy on you either because like anytime anyone was in trouble, so were you. (laughs) So you always had to do all the running and all of the extra, you know, things as well. But but that's okay. I mean I expected. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. Ask, you know, in in the future if that ever came up for me, I would definitely not just not do it. (laughs) Were there any scenarios in which you and the coach disagreed? Yes, there there was not necessarily about coaching choices or or things of that nature because I I kind of left that up to them. They're the professionals, but there was a time when when they asked me basically to please not be a mama bear and to put my emotions and my feelings aside for the team. And um, you know, it was when a parent was very inappropriate or disrespectful to you at a com- out of state competition, and I. I let you handle the situation and um, because you asked me to, because you, you looked at me and said, mom, let me deal with this. Let me, let me deal with this with my coaches. And I said, okay. And then the coaches said to me, okay, tomorrow, when we go to the competition, I'm going to need, I'm going to need you to um, not say anything to this other parent. And I'm going to need you to just kind of steer clear of this situation because we have a competition tomorrow and the girls need to be focused on that. And I agreed with what they were saying. I just, I had such a hard time with that because I really wanted to go all mama bear on this parent and tell her what she had done was completely inappropriate and not okay. But to watch you come through that with the grace that you did, I was just like, wow, I didn't need to say anything because we're higher than that. That's base level, like anger came through it with a zero deduction routine. It was amazing. And so that was the one time I sort of disagreed with them. But I, of course, I'm a rule follower. So I followed that rule. And I'm I'm grateful that I did because it turned out well. Yeah, I was able to learn some life lessons from that. And I'm glad that you were able to step back and let me handle that situation because it kind of taught me how to deal with confrontation at a younger age. Right. Well, and also to advocate for yourself. I remember thinking, you know, this is this is horrible what happened and you need to say something. And I remember thinking, well, maybe not. You know, I'm always having these doubts and you're like, nope, I need to tell my coaches. I need to let them know because this shouldn't have happened. And you you really did advocate for yourself. And, you know, I was super proud of you. I was super proud of that. Thank you. How did you handle it when I would come home and complain about practice? Well, that was... Um, 
you know, that happened a lot, uh, mostly because you were exhausted. And, you know, I would just empathize with you. I remember being like so worried about you. Oh my gosh, she's, she's pushed to the limit. You know, she does before school practices. She does school all day after school practices, uh, tumbling, comes home, has to write a paper, get to school the next day and homework and, and just thinking, gosh, she's exhausted. She needs a break. But to be honest, when when you would get those breaks, when you didn't do cheer at the latter part of the year, or when when it was Christmas break or summer break, and you didn't do cheer as much, it seemed as as if to me that you you kind of your grades were suffering a little bit of that. You thrived on the you thrived on on the routine. You thrived on the hard work. I would empathize, and I remember s- several times I would be just like, "Okay, well, she's asleep on the couch. I'm just gonna gonna be quiet in here and let her get a couple of minutes of rest, and just try to be empathetic, honestly, and, and be like, I get it. You know, I get it. I know you're tired, and they push you hard, but you know, you're capable. You got this. Just tried to be my own cheerleader from home." <laughs> Oh, that you would remember what right. was all worth it in the end. And you know, it always was. So, yeah. Is there anything you would have done differently as a parent while I was in sports? Oh, absolutely. You know, reflecting back now, I'm like, wow, I was crazy. Like, <laughs> I remember at your, at your senior, like, what do they call that at the end of the year? Your banquet at the end of the year, your cheer banquet at the end of the year. One was like all over and you guys did the awards and coaches talked nice about all the kids and what a, what a wonderful season. It's like a wrap up banquet. I remember coming in a little late your senior night or something. And then one of your coaches said, oh, there's the best team mom. And I thought, Oh, that was so sweet because I have worked so hard these last four years to help fundraise and all of the things. But at that point, it was it was kind of like it was over, like the four years of all of the cheerleading and all of the support and this the gifts and the and all of the things was coming to an end. And I thought, now what am I going to do? Right now, what am I going to do? So not only was my youngest child graduating from high school she was done with this four years of cheerleading that literally took over my life when I wasn't at work. It became a moment where I was like, what am I going to do with myself? It was sort of like an empty nester kind of a feeling. They were looking for a fundraising mom for the next year for the team. And I was like, gosh, you know, we have 20 some girls on the team. We have such great, wonderful parents why is nobody volunteering for this? And I remember thinking, this is crazy. There's so many parents that could clearly volunteer for this. Like, I don't understand it. And I remember writing an email to all of the team parents saying, hey guys, you somebody really needs to step up and take this over. Kind of like, hey, I'm leaving. So y'all got to figure this out, right? And I sort of like, I don't know what I said in the email, but it sort of was like guilting them into it. Sort of like, come on, one of you guys can step up and do this, right? So anyway, I remember dad saying to me, why did you send that email? And I was like, because they need they need a team mom next year to support them with the fundraising. And he said, you know, not everybody's you. Everybody has their own lives and everybody has things that they're doing. And maybe, just maybe, cheerleading is important to you, but not anyone else. So not, you know, not in, in the manner... It, in which you expect everybody else to be. And I thought, oh my gosh, is he not right? He's absolutely right. I have become crazy 
I become cheer crazy. So being a cheer mom was once, once like this big badge of, of, of pride for me. And then it all, then it became this like, what am I doing with my life that I'm so involved in, 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 in my daughter's high school cheer? Like I just wanted to be a part of so badly that I definitely overdid it. Like there, there were times where I was like up until midnight, working overnight, trying to make things for the girls, making sure everybody had everything they needed. And looking back at it, it's like, well, that was a wonderful experience that I gave my daughter and her, you know, her teammates because I loved them all so much. And these moms, they, they became like family that I was like, wow, you know, it's almost as if I didn't value myself as much as I should have. I valued what you were doing or what was important to you at the time versus what was important in my own life. And, and looking back, I got cheer crazy. I got the bug and I had so much fun. But I think, you know, if I had to do it over again, I probably would have done less stepping up and more stepping down and more sitting back and watching and supporting quietly versus being front and center and part of every single thing I could be part of. I think that's the one thing I would change is is just relax, enjoy, and support where I can, not every single place because I felt nobody else was doing it. The experience alone is is the value, right? Not necessarily all of the things. The things that that you probably remember the most, and I'll ask you, but what do you remember the most about, about your high school cheer? Was it that I was a part of every single fundraiser and every single group, or what was... Honestly, I I didn't really know that you were that involved in the fundraising. What I remember most is you being at football games and helping with the crafts. Like, and that's where I saw you as a support system for our team was like, my mom's a craft mom. My mom is the crazy one in the stands screaming and cheering with us. And I love it. And I'm glad she's here every game. But I didn't really know that you did more than that. So there are aspects in which you probably could have gotten away with stepping down and handing off some and delegating some responsibility to other parents. Well, I knowledge and time. Absolutely. And, and I'm not saying I was, you know, did all of that too, because we had wonderful, amazing parents that were super supportive, Mm -hmm. super amazing, but like literally anything I could do to help the team, I would, I mean, I, whatever I could do, um, I did, but I also feel like, boy, there were missed opportunities to just enjoy it versus work it. I don't know how to explain. I think that comes like that's with any team, because even now as a coach, I'm like, oh, well, there's there's more than one of me on this coaching staff and I, I volunteer a lot. So maybe I can step back and let somebody else. I actually learned it in my sociology class that I'm taking right now. There's this thing called the bystander effect. Uh-huh. When you're in a group of people, like you sit back, you're, more, you're less likely to offer help right away. You tend to sit back and let other people step up and volunteer. And then if they don't, then you're kind of sat there waiting for a while. The video that they showed with it was this guy like building a tent. And the less people that they were, the quicker that somebody would step up and volunteer to help. The more people that they were, people would wait like eight minutes before they'd be like, do you need help building that tent? It looks like you're struggling. So it's like, I feel like when you're around more people, it's easier to sit back and wait for, wait for others to step up. 
Right. Personally, I, I like to volunteer right away, but that's something that I'm trying to do for myself to set boundaries. Yeah. Is to let other people get involved. Right. Well, gosh, yeah. We, you know, you're, you're preaching to the choir there, sister, because boundaries and me, we don't, there are no such things. I, this thing about me is, is I'm either all in or I'm all out. Like I have a real hard time with the gray part in the middle. Um, I really do because, you know, once I'm passionate about something, I will give it 110%. Um, you know, I will, I will do it until I can't do it, which is not healthy for anyone. Right. But, but yeah, I get that. I get that bystander effect. That's pretty interesting. I think that, I think that I learned a little bit about that. My college days. All right. My next question is, in your opinion, what is the hardest thing about coaching? Well, I'm probably a little, you know, I probably have a little bit of skewed opinion on this because I did 13 years of middle school cheerleading and mix in, you know, middle school with the the social uncertainty, uh, hormones, uh, anything you could think of, drama. (laughs) you know the hardest part about coaching was the hardest part for me about coaching was trying to fairly address each athlete and also try to try to address them in a way in which I felt like they could understand like I wanted to communicate you know everybody's so different and And when you really value and respect somebody or you really love them, I will use that term because I loved all of my athletes. They're amazing. You want to communicate with them in a way in which they can appreciate it and understand it. So, so yeah, it was difficult to to fairly treat all of my athletes the same. However, to be able to, to really have them understand you know, the intention of, of what I was saying, I had to have, you have to really learn how to speak with everybody and deal with everybody a little differently. So probably that was it, you know, just the the differences of uh, personalities of the girls that, you know, or guys that you deal with and middle school is rough. Middle school is hard. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's a lot of drama, but man, is it fun. I had so much fun with these kids and, and building these relationships with these athletes was um, one of the highlights of my, of my life, honestly, super fun. What's your favorite thing about the sport or coaching? My favorite thing is, yeah, just the connections, honestly, the, the team building, the relationship building and watching young people in general, become more confident, become leaders. I mean, you say cheerleader, right? But it's really leaders. Cheerleading actually is is a sport that you got to be strong. You've got to be strong emotionally, physically, mentally. Um, and just, just watching the athletes become, you know, more confident, you know, year after year stronger people. Uh, it's a very empowering sport. Uh, that's what I love most about cheerleading is that it just, it's not about others. It's about you. Like you as the athlete, you think you're cheering for other people, but you're not like you're really learning how to become a leader. Yeah. 
And I love I think my, my favorite thing is like the character building that comes with it. It's like all throughout your experience with, with the sport or with coaching, it's always, you're constantly learning life lessons and developing personally, like growing and becoming your best self. That's like what I aspire to do as a coach is help with character building more than anything. It's like, okay. Although I do care if we don't do well at a competition, it's like, well, did you learn a lesson? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's the right idea of of coaching young people, no matter what you're coaching or or teaching is, are you are you teaching them to learn for themselves? Are you teaching them to be critical thinkers? Are you enabling them to be independent and strong mentally, emotionally, physically? That that is, I think, and spiritually, even that's the key. I think that that's the great part about cheerleading is you can actually see it. It's my favorite thing to watch watch cheerleaders perform because there's such an energy, right? You get such an energy watching them. And and I know that you and, and many of your listeners probably, I don't know how to explain it, but feel it. When you're watching a cheerleading performance, there are times where you're so connected into what they're doing and you're so like involved in it and you're you're just like, giving them all your energy and your love on the floor. And it's just a connection, right? With with the happy, happy dancing and the, and the clapping. And it's really, it's an exciting sport to watch. I love watching it. Yeah. I love it. When you guys come off the floor, you know, and the hugs and the the high fives and the. Yeah. When I was judging um, a few weekends ago, the, the judges were talking about their favorite thing about a competition or about a routine is to watch the coach. Like, like at state, when they have you in that little box and there's only one coach in there, you have to watch the coach. It's like watching the husband at a wedding. Yes. (laughs) My gosh. I love that. That is a perfect like analogy. That's so good because that is true. I I tend to really watch the coach in the box too. Yeah. Definitely when you're coaching. Yeah. But yeah, it's so fun. It's just a really fun sport. And, you know, I'm I'm grateful that I got to be a part of it in the little bit that I did. And I'm really grateful that I get to still sort of be a part of it by watching you coach and watching your team perform. So much fun. What was the hardest experience for you as a parent to an athlete? The hardest experience for me probably was was just seeing all of the stress and the the work that you would put into it and the right before the competition all the extra practices extra work you were exhausted overwhelmed and and you know I just wanted to save you from all of that I wanted to help and I couldn't I couldn't help because it was your team and and I couldn't couldn't really help but I wanted to take that pressure and that stress off of you it was hard for me to to see you going through that and I remember it was your freshman year of high school and you were you know dealing with whole new set of friends and this being thrust onto this this cheer team with all of these girls and it's their first competition and to watch the competition and and I think your stunt group stumbled or bobbled or or you may have even dropped someone in at that time I don't know if you were based or back spot but I remember you coming off the competition floor just being so defeated and so upset and crying and and I was like what is this 
my child shouldn't be this upset over over something like this. Um, I I just remember being so sad for you and feeling all of the feelings you were feeling and not knowing how to fix them and and you know coming up to your next competition, we're super worried about your stunt group. It had probably changed about 10 times by that time. And that's kind of how cheer works. But I remember going up that second competition, you know, I remember saying, I've got to go talk to the coach. I've got to talk to coach. I, I need to make sure that Marley's going to be okay. You know, I have this like mama bear attitude. I'm going to go up to the coach. I'm going to fix this. And she needs to know how stressful this is on my child and how, how nobody should be put through this and blah, blah, blah. I was just getting all mama bear and went right up to the coach and I looked her in the eyes and, you know, went up to her and she said, oh, hi, how are you? And I was like, well, to be honest, I'm not okay. And neither is, you know, neither is my daughter. She's stressed out. She's not sleeping. She's not eating. She's working so hard. She's, I don't know what's get, what's going to happen at this competition, but, you know, you have her as a freshman in, in the middle stunt group of this this thing. And if it, it drops this whole thing, it's going to kill her. It's just going to kill her. And she's going to be devastated. And I don't know if she can recover from this. And, you know, I just like started spewing like vomit at your coach, right? So she, I remember her like listening with, with a lot of love and, and patience and concern about what I was saying and my stress level being so high. And I hadn't even seen you at this point. Because I knew I just didn't want to see you because I knew I'd break down and I didn't want to be not strong for you. So uh, coach looked at me right in the eye and she said, your daughter is strong. Your daughter is capable. She's she's got this. And I would never put her in a position where she's not able to, to do all of the things that we've practiced. She's got this. I need you to go out there sit down and be supportive. You go out there and cheer cheer on your daughter. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to do what she says, but as soon as as soon as this drops, my daughter's devastated, I'm going to have to have another one-on-one conversation with this coach, right? Like I'm so mama bear right now, so worried about you. And so I just went and sat down and watched the competition and sure enough, you guys hit every single thing. You were strong and I remember seeing coach jump up and down and get so excited and um and it was a really good experience. And I remember at that point, I said, well, you know what? My job is to sit down and support and, and you know, coach coach has it. You know, she's she's got this. She's going to put my daughter where my daughter needs to be. And I need to just support that. And and remember, you know, I'm here to cheer from the sidelines and and not to get so overwhelmed and, and, and let it make me sick. I'm here to just support you and, you know, to keep it going. So yeah, that was it. Do you remember that competition at all? The second one or the first one? I definitely remember the first one, like, cause I was basing and that was my first competition ever. And right. I, we were going up into a QP or something. I couldn't catch the foot or it was a one man. I couldn't catch the foot. It came down. And then the next competition I was backspotting. Oh. And so that's why I was like, Oh, more confident. It was stronger. We hit everything. Right. Was that UCA? You know, I wish I could remember. I, I think, don't. I think it was. Is it, do you remember her jumping up and down? Was she in like a yellow sweater? Yes. 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 Yeah. So we did, that was a zero deduction routine. That was beautiful. It was, it was probably one of my favorite competitions. Um, Maybe not because you guys hit every single thing, but just because the, 
the energy was so good there and everybody was just, you know, light. One, I guess one thing that I might share to parents or like give advice to when it comes to competitions, it's like not, not every single competition is going to be a hit. Like, especially when you have freshmen on a team, it takes some time for them to develop that confidence and get right. over those performance anxieties. So yeah. not every competition is going to be the best one. So if the first one you see is it falls, like you still need to have confidence in your athlete and give support to them in any way you can so that yeah. they don't feel any stress coming from them at home as right. well as the stress of practice. Right. Right. And that's, that's gotta be hard. Ugh. I'm glad I don't have to deal with that right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was, it was really hard um, as a parent because you just, you literally are out there sitting in the audience, pins and needles, just like stressed out to the max for your athlete. I remember just like targeting on you and watching you through the whole competition Mm-hmm. And just making sure that, you know, because I knew if, if you did something that you thought wasn't good or, or had, had something that, you know, bobbled or anything that it was going to be rough at the end of the day, <laughs> like it was going to be so hard on you because you hold yourself to such a high expectation and a standard. And I think that all cheerleaders do, honestly, um, you know, it's such a team sport and, you know, if you do something to cause some some other part of, of something not to work out or a deduction or whatever it is, I think it's really hard on you guys as athletes because you, you know, you, you feel as if you let let down your team. But yeah. And, that, and that's hard. But I remember the arc of this, the arc of all of this is the is, you know, you were upset the, the first competition and, and, you know, I was upset you were upset and all of this. And then thinking back to it at your, um, your senior state competition, it didn't really hit, you know, I don't oh, know what no. happened. The yeah. timing was off. Like my whole stunt group was account late and then it ended up crumbling for my elite. Yeah. And then well, the pyramid didn't go. <laughs> yeah. You know, but honestly to see after you know, you guys get off the mat and, and all of that hard work um, to see you in the stands comforting your fellow athletes, to see you holding them while they were crying. And oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> and to see you being the strong leader that you are and saying, listen, it's okay. To me, that was like the entire full circle moment. You were the, you were the young girl crying and feeling like you let everybody down. And then, you know, your senior year, you were the one holding everybody up and saying, it's okay. You guys were okay. I'm just very, very proud of, of that. And I think that that's really what cheerleading is, is, you know, just building (laughs) literally and figuratively, right? (laughs) Yep. Personal growth growth within your team like you only get one season to make things to improve on things so it's hard to get it all done in one season but having like people continue on makes it a little bit easier what's your least favorite part honestly my least favorite part is anytime there's a conflict which kind of stinks because there's always going to be a conflict if there's a conflict with the parent if there's a conflict with an athlete if there's conflict with coaching like 
confrontation is so hard for me. Uh So hard. And it's not even like it, it was this hard for me when I was younger, but it started to become increasingly harder as I got older. If that makes sense. Like I used to be able to talk to people more and like air Uh my opinions and tell people Mm -hmm. how I felt. But for some reason, when I got older, it's like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to cause any issues. I don't want to, I just play it safe. Right. So for me right now, especially in coaching, it's learning to handle conflict and deal with confrontation, especially immediately, because mm-hmm. I know the consequences of not doing that are just like this sinking feeling in me right. about like, oh, I could have done better. Or if I would have talked to this person, then we wouldn't have this issue later on. Right. And I think that what's important to remember in, in just any conflict or, or a situation where there might be some, you know, disagreements is that everybody's opinion matters. And, and it, it's what you're feeling and what others are feeling. It's valuable information. Nobody likes to hear things that hurt, but but I know that you're, you know, you're so diplomatic that things really, anyone can have an adult conversation and say things. It's just the way in which you say them. It doesn't matter what you say, it's how you say it. Right. As long as, as long said with like that. love, love and um, respect. Yeah. And respect. Yeah. So just remember that whatever you're feeling is valuable and our feelings aren't facts, right? But, but if you're feeling that way, maybe somebody else is too. And I always try to to take myself out of it. <laughs> I think that's probably the easiest way for me to understand if whatever I'm going to do is right or wrong. I'll try to put somebody else I love inside that situation and say, would it be okay for that person to to be in this situation and not do something about it? Would would I ever want my, I don't know how to explain, but I would be like, would I ever want my sister to have this happen to her and not stand up for herself? Right. No, no. I, de- I definitely agree. I feel like that would help me too. It's like, okay, would I want somebody to sit here and treat my mom this way? Absolutely not. So I right. need to stand up for me. Absolutely. And you are just as valuable as everybody else. And I think that, I don't know if if that's just the way that unfortunately I raised you <laughs> because that is not who you are. You've always been so much stronger than me. In fact, I, I look up to you quite a bit, but I think that Never, never don't trust your gut. If if something doesn't fear, feel fair and equitable, if something doesn't feel right, then it isn't. Your intuition is right on. And if people love and respect you, they're going to listen to what you have to say and, and listen with the intent to hear what you're saying for further growth and improvement on, on everybody's part. Right. So if, if people are not able to hear you, it it doesn't mean, yeah, it doesn't mean you stop speaking because what, what you're saying is advocating for others as well. I mean, everybody deserves the same, honestly. And, and sometimes you got to kind of speak up because not everybody sees everybody else's perspective. I mean, and it, most of the time, honestly, 90% of the time I found it is just about communication. It is just about, oh, I didn't think of that. Oh my gosh, you're right. Wow. It could be perceived that way. I'm sorry. That's not how it was intended, you know, right. and 
And I love to, I love to try to pull myself out of it and go, okay, what's the best thing? What's the best scenario? Their intention could be this, you know, their intention is this, but instead of doing all of that, just give them the opportunity to say, Oh, I'm so sorry. That's not, that was not my intention because 90% of the time, the people that we have in our lives are there for a reason, right? A lesson or a blessing, right? (laughs) They're there for a reason. And you can learn and grow from everybody, even if it's like how I don't want to treat people. As you become older, you have to be a little bit more diplomatic, right? Because when you're younger, when you're younger, you can just be like, yeah, you know, say whatever you feel. But as you're older, you're like, oh, this has some serious consequences. Yeah. If I'm not, what could happen? Well, the worst that could happen is somebody could be mad at you for a minute until you explain to them your position or your, your, how you perceived it. And, and maybe, maybe that's going to help them grow right. by hearing that and, and not doing that. Think of it this way, not doing that takes away their opportunity to grow. Right. And Absolutely. I feel that. Want, yeah. We don't want that. We want everybody to grow. We want everybody to be at their highest, yeah. right. self. Well, so, and being open-minded too is something like I've also had to learn in conjunction with with the whole stepping up for myself and confrontation and all of that. Cause not always am I in the right, like I have to be open-minded if I have an issue with somebody or like there's a scenario happening. Oh, I, I did say that in a way I shouldn't have. I'm sorry. Like hearing something and acknowledging that you aren't always right is something I've had to learn too. And to be able to honestly take something and be introspective about it and then be like, okay, you know what? I was wrong and apologize. That is growth. That is huge. That doesn't happen that often. And um, somebody who takes personal responsibility for what they have done. Um, gosh, I respect those type of people way more than those that that just, you know, oh, I didn't do that. Oh. You thought, you know, whatever, you know, the, those that feel like they don't, they that can do no wrong. Right. Yeah. yeah. Those that actually say, oh my gosh, you're right. I'm, I didn't think of it like that. I apologize. Oh. You know? And then the other thing is like learning to let it go. Like yeah. it's not dwelling on it. Like let that crap go. And I've had conversations like this with my team before. It's like, that is my personal struggle in life. Mm-hmm. Letting stuff go. If a routine doesn't hit, let it go. Like get out there and do it again. Yep. That's the easiest way I can relate it to coaching, but. Well, that's a good life lesson for sure. Like that's, that is hard. I think that's hard for humans in general. Uh, We like to take things that happen that are, that, that didn't happen or we didn't handle things well and beat ourselves up, up with it. But why? Gosh, it's just making us miserable when honestly, the best thing we can do is take it, learn from it, grow and on right that's that is a beauty in life is all of the little tiny tiny things or things we might feel like are failures nope it's an opportunity to be better to do better to get better and gosh I love to learn and I love to grow and I love to see it in others too so this has been a a super fun conversation with you yeah thanks for being on my podcast thanks for being the first guest on my podcast and for chatting with me. You're very welcome. Thanks for the invite. I would, you know, we could talk forever, but thank you. All right. Thanks again for listening to this episode. I know that we got off on some tangents there, but 
My mom is honestly so fun to talk to, and we just learn a lot from each other. Whether or not you're a coach, a parent, an athlete, I hope that this episode resonated with you, and I hope that you can share this with someone you love. Thank you for tuning into this episode of The Life of a Cheerleading Coach. To be notified when another episode is posted, visit the link in the show notes to sign up for my newsletter. Don't forget to follow The Life of a Cheerleading Coach on Instagram and Facebook, and be sure to click the listener support button on my anchor page. To be featured in the next episode, use the link in the show notes to leave me a voice message. Thanks again for listening and go make a difference. Thank you.